So as Tracy mentioned, my name is Chet, and uh, I wanted to come up and introduce Trent to you. For those of you that have been coming out the last few weeks, I know Trent hasn't been able to be here, but uh, Trent is actually one of our, our longest-standing college and career ministry team people and teaching team people, actually. But... Yes, longest standing, not oldest. No, we won't go there. Um, and I, I say that be because of this. Uh, Trent actually uh, is married, and Megan, his wife, um, was also on our, our teaching team. They just had a son, and so, yes, it's awesome. And so... Uh, So Megan is at home and taking care of Ison, and uh, but but Trent has committed to still being a part of our our teaching team, and and he's somebody that I can highly commend to you. And when I say that he's our longest standing, some people might be like, "Well, how long? And why is he still here?" Okay, <laughs> but I choose to, and and for good reason. I see it this way. I know Trent's heart his love for the word, his gift to teach, and, and it is a significant investment uh, into this group for, for him to, to choose to be a part of our teaching team. And so I'm just, I'm very thankful to have, have Trent come and, and share in the times that he can. Um, he'll probably tell you a little bit more about who he is and uh, whatnot, but I, anyway, I just wanted to commend him to you and to pray for him and to pray for us before we move into the teaching time so so god i ask uh, for us first as receivers tonight that your holy spirit would have freedom to speak to us through your word and uh, that Regardless of what we were thinking about, what we were wrestling through this, this week, when we come into this place to, to enter into your presence in a time of worship and just to put our thoughts towards you, that we would keep our hearts and our minds and, and our thoughts in that same place to just say, God, whatever you want to speak to me tonight, however you want to challenge me, uh, you have freedom to do that. And so, um, God, we invite you and we need you to um, speak to us. And I pray th that you would uh, continue in Trent's preparation and prayer, getting ready for tonight, that you would use him to speak to us, that you give him joy and peace in the sharing, and that he would even have a sense of, of your Holy Spirit guiding him in that. We pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Chet. Uh, he said I was going to tell you more about myself. He said enough about me, so I won't, I won't talk about me too much. I do like to start with a random fact about myself just to help you get to know something about me. So um, I've acquired a number of nicknames over the years. Uh, my best friend Tim has taken to calling me the baby comedian because apparently I have this strange ability to make often make, make babies laugh. Um, so case in point, I have this uh, four-month-old son at home, as Chet mentioned, and tonight I, I took his hand 
and I put it on my head. Never done this before. Apparently, that was the funniest thing life has ever seen. Like, he just lost it. Lost it. So, by day, engineer and project manager. By night, baby comedian. Who knew? We like to uh, start each year by telling you a little bit about us as a group. And that's why we've been going through these values. We have four key values. Uh, someone has shared the past couple of weeks. I'm not exactly sure who, but tonight we're talking about the third value, which is we, we value the truth found in God's word. And this is actually a tough teaching for me to prepare because there are a lot of things I could tell you about God's word. I, I could stand up here tonight and talk about the transforming power of God's word. I could tell you a really cool story of how myself and a few other people studied the same Bible in depth and how God used it to individually change very specific areas of our lives as we needed it. I could tell you about God's Word's ability to see me and to identify things in me that need changing and fixing, like Hebrews 4 talks about. I could talk about the wisdom of God's Word and how when, when people around us, even if they don't believe in God, they see us living life according to God's Word and obeying God's Word, that actually looks like wisdom, even to a world that does not believe in God. Deuteronomy 4 talks about that. But the value that we're talking about tonight, and so where I'll spend the minutes I have, is talking about the truth found in God's word. And there are two significant aspects to that statement. And the first aspect is the word truth. We, we believe that there is one. We believe there's such a thing as truth. Uh, one truth for all people, for all time. And I'm aware that that's not the most popular view in the world today. Right? Because relativism rules today, and because you believe what you want, and I'll believe what I want, etc. But in this group, we value truth. And we believe that there is one, and, and frankly, we would rather know truth than to pretend that it doesn't exist. That's a key aspect of who we are as a group. And so, in the teachings that you hear on a Thursday night, we try to dig in and understand truth on a particular topic or a passage or a book of the Bible, even if what we find isn't necessarily desirable or maybe even attractive or comfortable because we would rather know what truth is even if we don't necessarily want to hear it. Now, I just want to highlight a difference between the word truth and the word true because our value is not that we believe that the Bible is true as in one of many true things. There are a lot of true things in the world, but we actually believe that God's word is the measuring stick, that it, it's the standard that defines whether other things are true or not true. And, and as we said, if the Bible is the measuring standard, and we believe that it is, then we believe that truth is truth for all people for all time, and we're going to touch on that in a second. The second key aspect of this value is God's word. So not only do we believe that there is such a thing as a truth, one truth, but we believe that the source of it is God's word, the Bible. And that's a significant statement. So let's talk about this concept of truth for all people for all time. I want to tell you a little bit about my story. I was a disinterested in God little kid. I was not a Christian, and when I was about 11, I went to a Bible camp for the first time. I went for the activities, 
like canoeing because I'd heard of it and that was kind of fun. I didn't go for the Bible. And just to give you an idea of where I was at in my life at that point, my spiritual journey, that week at Bible camp when I was 11 years old was where I first learned that the Jesus in the Bible and the Jesus who was born at Christmas and the Jesus who died and rose again around Easter, turns out that was all the same guy. I, I didn't know that until that point, until I was 11, because it wasn't a frequent part of my life. We didn't talk about it a lot. And I wasn't offended by the Bible, but I was a little confused when I went to the Bible camp and they started putting us in chapel twice a day, right? Because I secretly knew that you were only actually supposed to talk about the Bible on Sunday mornings in church. And here's these poor people on a Tuesday night singing worship songs, like clearly they're misinformed. Poor folks. But anyway, it was fine. I, I wasn't offended by it, but it was a little different. A little different. And I, I learned a lot of things that week, and I was struck by a lot of things. And one of the things that struck me as the 11-year-old was when they shared the verse, Romans 3.23. And they said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that verse struck me because even as a disinterested in God little kid, I knew that that verse was true. Hear me, I was not pursuing God, but as the 11-year-old kid, I heard that verse, and I knew that there were things in my life that did not please God. And that scared me a little bit, because it brought a question into my mind, and the question was this, if the Bible is right about the sin in my life, and I knew that it was, what if it's right about everything else? What if there is God? What if there is Satan? What if there is heaven? What if there is hell? What if all of this matters? What if he is coming again? And that was a very big question for me. And that was the point in my life where I chose to become a Christian, to give my life to Christ, to call him the Lord of my life. Now here's a very important note, please take note of this. The Bible was right about the sin in my life before I ever knew that or believed it. I did not have to believe that for it to be true. And one day I kind of walked in and realized, yikes, it's true. Because the Bible is truth for all people, for all time. There are people in my life right now, personal friends, family members, who do not believe in God. They are choosing to live their lives apart from God and I am watching them face some of the consequences that the Bible talks about. They do not believe in God. They do not believe in God's word. They have no desire to follow him. But the truth is truth for all people, for all time. And the fact that they don't believe him does not stop God's word from being truth in their life. Let's talk about truth for all time. If God's word is truth for all time, it means that what is truth in your life today will be truth in my life 50 years from now and was truth in somebody else's life 5,000 years ago. Truth for all time. So let's think about a couple of examples. Uh, God's word says that he provides for our needs and for our wants for that matter. Just by a show of hands, raise your hand if God has ever provided for something in your life. Want, need, or other. So, Quite a few hats. I've also seen that. So did the Levites in about 1400 BC. People of God. 
How many people have ever seen God heal? And don't think necessarily miraculous, immediate healing. But how many people have seen God continue a process of healing in your mind and in your life? Okay, many of us have seen that. I've seen that. So did King Hezekiah in about 600 BC when he was so sick he thought he would not recover and God healed him. Truth for all time. God's word says that he will give you the words that you need when you need to see them. Matthew 10:19. How many people feel like God has ever, you've been in the moment and God gave you the words to say when you didn't know what they were in advance? Okay. You've experienced that. I've experienced that. So did Paul in about 60 AD. Psalm 29:11 says, God gives strength to his people and blesses his people with peace. How many people have ever found that God gave them the strength for a difficult situation? Or you've been in a really tough spot and God gave you peace in that situation? Show of hands. Okay, some of you have experienced that. I've experienced that. So did Paul and Silas in about 50 AD when they were locked in a cage waiting to face trial and they had enough peace that they were able to sleep the night before. So did Jesus. So did many before them. Because God's word is truth for all people, for all time. Now I want to wrap up my part with just a note, and that is that as a group we believe that God's word is truth, whether or not we have actually experienced it yet. All of us in this room who are Christians are, are on a spiritual journey, and I would argue that all of us are on some kind of a spiritual journey. But those here who are Christians have seen some aspect of God's word proven true in our own lives. And those experiences are another thing that we sometimes use to validate God's word as truth. And maybe God's done something in somebody else's life that he hasn't done in yours yet. Or maybe God's word says something, claims something as truth that you haven't personally experienced yet. But if God's word is truth for all people at all times, it means that what he's done in someone else's life, he can do in yours. And what he's done in someone else's day and age, he can do in ours. Think about the implications of that for a second. I've never seen God raise the dead. But I might even in our day, because his word says that he does that. I've never seen Jesus come back to earth for a second time. But we will. We will. We believe that God's word is truth for all people at all times. And that's why we're bothering to have people share their testimonies, a bit of their story in these past weeks, because what God has done in their lives, he can do in ours. So here's what this value means in practice. If we ever hit a situation, and we do, where God's word says something that we haven't personally experienced yet, we're going to give God's word the benefit of the doubt. We're actually going to let the Bible win on that one. Because we believe that the truth is truth for all people, for all time, regardless of whether or not we've experienced it yet. 
I want to invite Tanea up. Uh, Tanea is going to share a bit of her story with us. And these stories are a gift. Uh, please appreciate how much effort and how much courage it takes for somebody to come and share these stories. Uh, Tanea has been part of our group for a long time. She has been here in a capacity of attender and various levels of serving and, and ministry and leadership. Um, and I just want to thank you for being here tonight. And I want to pray for you, if I can do that. Chad prayed for me, so I'll just pass it on. Pay it forward. Father God, thank you for my sister and my friend that you have given her a story and that you've done that in your love. And thank you for her willingness to share it tonight. Would you fill her with your spirit and your peace? Would you speak to our hearts and our minds what we need to hear in Jesus' name? Amen. Hello, everybody. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tanea Entz, and um, I have the privilege of serving on the ministry team um, in this group. And I also get the distinct privilege to share a little bit of my story with you. Um, my prayer is that you would listen to what God has done in my life and the things that he has shown me, and that you would see his story that he's writing, um, a story of grace and redemption. Um, even when I was not aware of it, God was pursuing me and doing his perfect work to bring about his will in my life. Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. God had begun a good work in me a long time ago, and he promises that he will finish it. It's not done yet. It's in progress. But it's a lot farther than it once was. <laughs> um, so a bit of background about me. Um, I'll start back at the beginning. The home that I grew up in was not a happy one. Um, although my parents became Christians when I was three, my mom struggled with severe depression that affected every day of my growing up. Explosive anger, physical, emotional, and verbal abuse were a regular part of my everyday experience. Some of my earliest memories um, as a toddler include hiding from my mom or protecting my siblings from her. I'm the oldest of nine, so that oldest sibling thing really kicked in, um, and I stood in the gap for them a lot of the time. My dad's way of coping was to run away, so he was gone a lot. We never knew if he was coming back or not. He always did. Um, and I think that was God. <laughs> I know it was. I was often told that I was a disappointment, that I wasn't good enough. Why couldn't I be like the little ones that I protected? And no matter what I did, it seemed to make mom's anger worse. Uh, I felt responsible for her meltdowns, but helpless to stop them. These experiences shaped what I believed about God and how I related to him as a father because the mother who was treating me this way was also teaching me about God. Um, being his child meant striving for his approval but never really having it. I wanted desperately to make him happy but never really succeeded. I would cry out to him to fix my family, to make me a good kid, but he seemed pretty silent in the face of my pain. I believed that God was a parent like my mom, who sat in heaven demanding perfection that I could never attain. I desperately wanted to follow God and please him, and I tried really, really hard, but felt that was never good enough for him either. 
another important part of my story is that by the time I was a year old, I was already looking to sexual pleasure as an escape from the painful realities that my life was. I had no idea what it was until much later, but it brought a reprieve from the agony. And so this pattern of using pleasure to escape pain um, became a deeply entrenched sin that I carried and would define how I related to God and to myself for many, many years. So fast forward to after high school. Um, I went to Bible school because that is what good Christian kids do. Um, and after my first year there, I held my youngest sister's body after leukemia took her life. Um, I had believed with all of my heart that God would heal her, not because of the faith that I had that he would, but because everybody around me seemed to have enough. Um, this created a crisis in me. I knew that I didn't exactly make God happy, but I didn't think that he would go this far to punish me. So began many long walks of crying out to God for an answer. I was angry, and I felt betrayed by him. I had tried so hard. I had studied the Bible. I was in Bible school. I had prayed the prayers. Why did he take my sister? He listened patiently to all my ranting and raving, and gradually brought me to a realization that who I had learned he was wasn't actually the right one. That wasn't actually who he was at all. Through his word, I found a God who loved me, who pursued me and wanted me just the way that I was. My sister's death was not my fault, nor was all the abuse that I had experienced as a kid. I became aware of how God had been working in my life and that my experiences would not be wasted. It was during this time that I discovered and clung to the verse that I read at the beginning, what God starts, he will bring to completion. He will bring beauty out of ashes. He'll redeem the broken past. So I did two more years of Bible school, and as graduation approached, I was excited to enter ministry. Um, I was going to do an internship with a church here in Saskatoon. I felt alive and excited. But in the summer after graduation, I started dating a guy who I quickly realized was broken, very broken, in many of the same ways that I was. He also had recently lost his sister, and we connected based on mutual pain. It turns out that he also had the same tendency that I did to look to physical pleasure to escape reality, and it wasn't very long before we took our relationship way too far. After a few months, he declared that he was leaving God and that we couldn't be together anymore. Shortly after the breakup, I discovered that I was pregnant, but only that I was miscarrying. I had moved to Saskatoon at this point and was getting ready to start my internship. However, when the Bible school found out what happened, they dismissed me from the program. This situation very quickly unraveled all of the recent healing that had been happening and um, all the work that had occurred in my heart. I took dismissal from Bible school as a sign that I was indeed not good enough for God to use me. 
I decided that, sure, God could be okay and use and redeem the things that had happened before because they had been done to me, not by me. This time, it was indeed all my fault. I thought this was the last straw. And so I wrote myself off. I decided that God was thoroughly disappointed in me, and he most certainly didn't want to use me anymore to build his kingdom. I accepted a job as a secretary in a foot clinic and resigned myself to mediocrity. God had started something good, and I had ruined it. That's when I found this group six years ago. I considered myself a Christian, and someone had suggested Ebenezer as a good church, and so I decided to check it out. I also decided to try out college and career as well, so here I ended up. And at the first fall retreat, I told Tracy my story, expecting to be dismissed from the group because obviously there was no place for a person like me in a wonderful group like this. I was wrong. She listened to me, accepted me, and helped me process the many very difficult emotions and thoughts in the following months. It was a very long battle. I fought with God a lot. I desperately wanted answers, but at the same time, continued to stubbornly write myself off no matter what answers God gave. However, as he promises, he wasn't done. Even in the face of my stubbornness and my rage and my brokenness, he pursued me through his word and his people. I began to see a counselor, and as my heart healed, I became softened to the words of God again. He reminded me of what he had taught me after my sister's death. He still wanted me, and nothing that I could do or had been done or anything that had been done to me would cause him to write me off. He was still doing the work that he had started. To make a long story short, after two years, my heart started to come alive again. I saw how God was using my messy circumstances to direct me into new paths. I discovered music therapy, and in it I found a vocation that sparked passion to use the gifts that God had given me. I felt excited about something again that hadn't happened in a really long time. And so I went back to school. Um, and about that time too, I uh, became part of the ministry team for the first time in this group, which was something I absolutely never could have dreamed of at that very first fall retreat. And then I met Fred. Um, one area of my heart that was still very broken was the part of me that believed after my relationship, my pregnancy, my miscarriage, and my ongoing struggle with sexual sin, no godly man would want me. I was damaged goods. But as friendship and relationship with Fred began to develop, I hoped against hope that I was wrong. I was scared to step out into this relationship because I was afraid that once he knew, he would leave. But God had a much grander and way more complex journey in mind. Because of my fear, 
I suggested to Fred that we should share our stories with each other even before we started dating. You know, he should have the chance to run before he committed, you know? <laughs> um, and so we went on a long walk by the river and I told him my story. Surprisingly, he didn't run for the hills. He stuck around and told me his story. He had grown up as a Hutterite and he had also grown up attracted to men. This sparked a month-long period of seeking God fervently on both of our sides. Our stories were both so messy, and there was no way it would work unless God was part of it, and that God was making it happen. Like We couldn't do it ourselves. Our commitment to the truth of God's word had to deepen. I had to trust that if God was calling me back into a relationship, and if that relationship was going to be with Fred, he would be faithful to both of us and provide strength to work through what we knew would be a difficult journey. It was through this relationship that God truly began to show me the value of speaking truth to my heart and to show me what a healthy and godly picture of love and relationship looks like. Fred knew my whole story, and it didn't scare him. Well, maybe it did. Did it? Okay. Um, and he embraced the brokenness and was patient as I processed it. We allowed my parents into the story, both sides of it, and God used it to mend the broken relationship that I had with them as well. Both of our parents prayed for us and faithfully supported us, and so we embarked on a journey of discovering God's amazing plan to redeem both of our pasts. As we continued our relationship, we got to the marriage talk. And at the same time, we started two years of long distance as I moved to Vancouver to pursue music therapy. These two years proved invaluable to growing our relationship and to speaking truth about God's design for godly romantic relationships. We struggled with doubt about whether our relationship was actually something God wanted for us, but each time we brought our doubts to Jesus, he had the same answer every time. What he started, he would indeed finish. And being together was indeed his plan for us. We had many friends and family walk through this with us, um, pray for us, ask difficult questions, listen to much processing. Um, however, there were also those who questioned our relationship and whether or not we should actually be pursuing marriage. We had some people outright tell us that pursuing this relationship was wrong. Um, some people told us that our relationship was offensive to God and even though these words hurt deeply, they made us press into Jesus and remain in deep communication with him. We experienced moments of crisis, some small, some very big, and questioned whether we were on the wrong track completely. But every time we came to God asking if he still wanted us together, he heard us, and his still, gentle voice reminded us that the good work he started he would complete. Eventually, in July 2018, in a field of cattle, Fred asked me to marry him, and I said yes. Um, ask us for that story another time. It's pretty great. Um, 
our families and friends rejoiced with us, and at the same time, the barrage of hurtful and assuming questions and comments worsened. Some told Fred that he was chaining himself to a life of unhappiness and unfulfilled desires. Um, others asked me if I did you did I really want a man like Fred to be the father of my children? Each time another comment was made, we would go back to Jesus and scripture and ask if he still wanted us together. And you know this part of the story. His answer was always the same. What he started, he was going to finish. Um, I was also wrestling deeply with my past. I was off in Vancouver, um, far away, and God was... Um, unearthing things and the feelings of not good enough were so strong and since I was still experiencing feelings of being damaged goods there was no way that I could be good enough for Fred but God met me there too he heard each of my cries and was faithful to remind me of his truth he did this through his word through Fred and through his people as the wedding approached, Fred and I experienced significant questioning in our spirits about what marriage would look like. Neither of us had had healthy experiences around sex, and we wondered if we would be able to fully express our love in all areas of marital functioning, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it was difficult to be honest about some of these questions and fears because we knew no other couple who had gone through what we were walking through. Our journey was often lonely and scary, but we continued to trust and pray to our Savior and King that he had strengthened us for the journey to which he had very clearly called us to. We believed firmly and without wavering that what God started, he would fully complete and bring to fruition. Two months ago, we stood on that stage and declared God's promises and faithfulness and redemptive power as we exchanged vows. As we sang songs of worship to God, he reminded us of his salvation and his redemption, and it was with a sweet taste of victory that we became married. In the last two months, God has promised, or God has proved to be absolutely and completely faithful to his promises about marriage and living a life that is dedicated to him. The fears that we had before the wedding melted away and gave way to a glorious rejoicing that what we had committed to God, he had kept. And he had blessed it more than we could have ever imagined. God's truth has shattered the lies that have defined so much of my life. Fred and I continue to experience the normal growing pains that newly married couples experience like squeezing the toothpaste weird like come on do it my way <laughs> um, and but God is so so faithful and um, he we know that in this new stage um, it's a journey of victory, not loss. What God has promised to his people, he delivers. He delivers victory and strength, restoration and redemption. 
love and kindness, and a truly marvelous picture of his love towards us revealed through marriage. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. My story is far from over. I'm still young. You know, there's lots of life left to live. But I have seen God take what looked like a broken, hopeless mess and bring good out of it. Through his word, he mended my brokenness, freed me from sin, and cut through the lies that were so ingrained in my thinking. He didn't write me off, even when I wrote me off. And he hasn't written any of you off either. He wants you. He pursues you. And he has grand things in store for your life. I was once a broken little girl who believed she would never amount to anything, that her experiences rendered her useless. But God has transformed that story, and now I am doing a job that I adore. I have a much healthier relationship with my parents and my siblings. I am leading in the church. I have a husband who loves me. God's truth has radically changed my life's story. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Our God is faithful, and the good work that he has begun he will finish. Thank you. So thank you to uh, Tanea again for sharing that story. And as, as we've requested in the past weeks, you know, we, we just request that we, we'd be careful with the stories that people share with us, right? In, in the way we talk about it, in the way, in the things we share about it, uh, if we do that. Uh, and let's be respectful of what those people have given to us and what Tanea has given to us tonight. Um, I would encourage you to encourage them, pray for them. She'll probably be around for a bit. Uh, and again, that takes work. And I would also encourage you, by the way, to consider sharing your story. Because what God has done in you, somebody else might desperately need to hear about. And so as, as a group, we are a group that values the truth found in God's word. And so you can expect that when you show up on a Thursday night, the people who get up and share, A, have, have looked at scripture and studied it, We've asked God to guide the teaching for what we individually might need on that particular night, put a bunch of time and effort into it. We've had somebody else review it because we believe in the value of the truth and we believe that it's important to teach that in churches, just like Paul believed thousands of years ago. And so that's why it's one of our four key values. Uh, I'm going to wrap up the official part of our evening with, with prayer in a second here. Uh, for those that are new to us, Maybe our fifth value is snack, I think. And that happens out the back uh, shortly after the prayer time, so don't leave yet. Uh, but I would absolutely encourage you to stick around, have a bite to eat, get to know some people. Um, this group has absolutely blessed me over the years, and especially for those who are new tonight, 
Uh, I just want to say that we never take for granted that you have chosen to spend Thursday night with us. Thank you for being here, whether it's for one night or for the rest of the year. And also to those here who may still be at an earlier point on your spiritual journey. And maybe you're not at a place where Jesus is Lord, and maybe you're not at a place where any of this makes sense yet. Uh, but wherever you're at on your journey, we just want to affirm that this is a safe, to place, safe place to be there. And so thank you for, uh, for trusting us to, enough to show up tonight. And I hope that you are able to meaningfully connect with some people and with God. And uh, please enjoy the rest of the evening. Let me just close off in prayer, and I would love it if you would join me. Uh, so Father God, you've given us a lot of gifts um, tonight, and you've given us your word, which is a gift. You've given us Tanea's story, which is a gift. You've given us our individual stories, which is a gift. You've given us your son so that we could actually experience fullness of life. And you've given us your Holy Spirit to walk with us and counsel us and teach us the way. And so we just pray that in all of these things, uh, we would be grateful that you'd fill our hearts with joy and gratitude, that we would reach out to you and find you, that you'd reveal yourself to us as you've done millions of times in the past for millions of people all over the world, that you'd show yourself to us tonight, this month, this year, in the relationships in this room and in the relationships we're forming with people outside of this room or in our schools or our workplaces, that we would find you there and that we would pursue you there and that with that we would experience all of the richness of life that you desire for each person here. Thank you for your kindness, for your love. Thank you that you're with us in Jesus' name. Amen.